755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. It is on the air now. I'm David O'Brien, Brazier Rivals The Athletic. I'm with my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, former Brazier reliever. What's up, Eric? Not much, man. Just glad to be getting started. Yeah. I think the Braves are glad to be getting started with some normal baseball, with a normal week yeah. of baseball, because this Champions Week, I mean, while while I can understand the appeal of celebrating last year, and you can never forget last year and all that, I think they're ready to turn the page finally and play this year because it was just constant looking back, constant uh, talking, giveaways, uh, ring presentations, it, just everything, everything to distract from actually playing. Yeah, you know? well, all that stuff messes up your routine. You know, I mean, the extra Walks 15 minutes the, before the game, yeah. standing around, getting stiff, you're trying to be loose. I'm sure they're happy to to get on the road and just, you know, have a simple routine again. Yeah, and, you know, going to a place, San Diego and L.A., where they struggled a lot in the past, but not last year. Um, so I'm sure they're going to look forward to, you know, coming off last year when most of these guys were on the team, they – they don't have the bad taste in their mouths from those years of getting their asses kicked in L.A. and Not so much San Diego, but definitely L.A. So, um, And it's going to be a lot of things to, for the other side to be distracted by here. The Braves will be the team that's just playing. You know, San Diego, yeah. I think, with the home uh, opener. And then Dodgers, you know, with Freddie. They're having their home opener tonight, by the way. Freddie's playing his first game in L.A. So that's a real ballyhooed thing there. So but, yeah, uh, be, it's going to be strange to see him square off against him. Oh my God. Can you imagine like the first time Kenley, if Kenley faces Freddie the ninth? Oh yeah. that That's going to be crazy, man. I want to see how the Dodgers fans, uh, I think Dodgers fans will not have probably quite as warm a reception for Kenley as what I'm expecting Braves fans to have for Freddie when the Braves, when the Dodgers right. come to town. Cause that's going to be, I, people said, oh, I hope they give Freddie a round of – I hope they treat Freddie well when he comes home. I'm like, are you kidding me? Freddie's going to get, like, the longest standing yeah. ovation of any returning player in a long time, man. I'll be shocked if it's not, like, 100%. It, it should be. I mean, it will be. It will be. Even Baum got a standing ovation in Philly the day after he said, I hate this place. So. How about that, man? That shocked me. The Philly fans showed me something. I really am surprised. Philly, I thought, was the last place he needed to say that. I didn't think they'd forgive him for that. Well, it, it says a lot about just owning up to something. I think everybody wants that, you know, in yeah. sports. Is, even the toughest fan bases, if you just can flat out say, I sucked or I blew it or that was me, you know, owning up to something buys you a lot of uh, credit with the fan base. If he would have said, that's not what I said or something, or I wasn't saying that about the no, fans, yeah. then they would have been all over him. Yeah. But he said, yeah, I said it. I didn't mean it. Like emotions got the best of me. For anybody who didn't see it, uh, Baum with the Phillies was – you know, he made a three couple error errors inning. or something like three error inning, and then he finally made a play. And uh, the the fans gave him the courtesy cheer, the sarcastic one they give you, you know, when you're pitching and you walk three in a row and finally throw a strike. And the uh, the cameras caught him saying, "I hate this fucking place." Yeah, he was coming <laughs> off the field, <laughs> and uh, he owned up to it though. He was entering the dugout. One of his teammates was there kind of to, to, to wait for him to go, hey, man, sorry. And he was like, I hate this fucking place. <laughs> you, could read, you could read his lips so clear. The yeah. TV camera was right on him. Yeah. It was and three I'm errors sure in an he, inning, right? It was the one inning. Yeah, I'm sure he meant it in the moment. He had a three-error game at the Braves as a rookie a couple years ago, or last year. It was two years ago? Yeah, two years ago. He had a three-error game there. And the thing is, the guy can be really good, too. I mean, yeah. he's a, And he can hit. Uh, he's gonna probably be a really good player. That's why it's important that Philly should. I think the fans probably realize that. But remember when? Uh, were you there when? Uh, when D. Rowe made four errors in one game? No. He made. A, he had a four error game at San Francisco for the Braves. And then no. you had the three error game in the playoffs by uh, Brooksy. By Brooksy, yeah. 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 That was playoffs, uh, right? Yeah, that was against the Giants yeah. in 2010. Yeah. I mean, probably, you know, legitimately cost us the series. And mm-hmm. it's tough. I mean, he's got to live with that the rest of his life. I don't think Braves fans ever boot him or anything for it, except no. maybe in the moment. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's not like as a player you don't know you suck when you suck. So booing just kind of piles on to what you yeah. already know. And then you get the, the sarcastic cheer, you know, and you finally shake the bug and make a play, and it's just like – The Bronx you know. cheer. Yeah. Um. So the Braves finish off a 
three and four homestand, not what they were hoping for, obviously, and not what they wanted during Champions Week. I'm sure they would have loved to have gone six and one against a couple teams they can beat, you know, the Reds and the Nationals. Six and one because they had huge crowds too, which only makes it worse. You know, you sold out the first three games and you had 38,000 a fourth game on a Sunday afternoon, which gave you 160 some thousand for four game series against the Nationals, which is that's pretty damn good. Um, yeah. And then, uh, so they had huge crowds and you split with the Nationals and then you lost two out of, or split with the Reds and then you lost two out of three to a Nationals team that's not very good. So, right. Yesterday, Braves got just one run, three hits against Josiah Gray and four Nationals relievers. That Josiah Gray that got in the Scherzer deal, he looks good, man. Yeah. Yeah, he looked pretty tough. I uh, mean, it's, you know, it's the first week of the season. Yeah. And if, and coming off a three-and-a-half-week spring training, it's just really hard yeah. to judge anything right now. It's hard to gauge anything, and none of it – I mean, you saw where the team was at last August. Yeah. <laughs> you win the World Series. Yeah, by the way, the la- the Braves last year started three and four, then won. So they, went, they started out four and four. Last year, if people might have forgot, they lost their first four games. Then they won four games in a row. Then they lost their next four games. So it was a weird season last year to start out. So they come out here to San Diego and play four here against the Padres Thursday through Sunday. The game tonight, by the way, is an early start for West Coast. Uh, it starts at 5-10 uh, here for ES for TV back east, which is nice for those people that can't stay awake for a normal 10 o'clock East Coast time start for these games out here out west. Uh, and then Sunday would have been a day game, got moved to ESPN. So it's still a day game out here, but it starts at, you know, four instead of one or 12. So really none of, none of the nor- no normal times for these games are all over the board for these four. But uh, And then three highly anticipated games at Dodger Stadium against Freddie Freeman and the Dodgers. Yeah, well, that Sunday night game shouldn't uh, mess them up too bad because they're either flying or right. bussing to L.A. So that's right. that's kind of a nice break because sometimes they do that. And you got to be on the East Coast the next day or something like that. So that shouldn't affect their travel too much. Yeah, they'll just get on a bus and go up to L.A. Yeah. And not have any traffic. So uh, you got uh, – yeah, like I said, I, I just think that they'll be – that they're going to – it's going to be nice for them to get into a routine of just baseball out here instead of, yeah. you know, the walk through the battery and then the ring ceremony with the podium. And then, the you know, there was just something every day. Yesterday was Champions Day at the ballpark, so they had the UGA football team with the trophy, some of those guys there with the trophy and the Braves with their trophy and the whole thing. So and the UGA dude threw out the first pitch. And it's just a lot of stuff. And, you know, here, have you met this guy? And just, it just come out here, it's going to be baseball for seven games. Yeah, I remember, you know, when I was playing, even, even just starting on the road and doing two teams home opener uh-huh. was, right. was irritating, you right. know. Just be, it just throws your routine off. You got to be out there for intros, um, all that stuff. You're just glad when it's done, you know. And then you come home and you got your home owned burner. And once that's finally over, it's like, all right, now we can just right. play ball and focus. Right. The stuff definitely. Kind of, it's not, you know, it's not an excuse at all. You still got to play, but you know, just those little things kind of they just annoy you <laughs> in a sense. I think it's really good that the Dodgers will have already played their home opener. Yeah, that would have been even yeah. more of a distraction introducing. So this is the Padres home opener and then they're done with them. I think the Padres, I think this is their home opener. I I, I can't swear to that. I should have looked at it. I'm not sure. Uh, but the Dodgers, yeah, they've already opened. So um, what yesterday, I don't know what to think of Max Freed yesterday. Cause I, I, you know, at spring training, he had a couple of games where he looked really good for a while. So I'm not worried about him. His, his velo's up. He's healthy. Uh, but he's had two mediocre starts so far. Not bad, but not good. Uh, yesterday, he left in the sixth inning. He got hit by a comebacker in the hamstring. He's okay. They just took him out as a precautionary thing. He'd already, he was already close to his pitch limit anyway. Yeah. But it was a hamstring and nothing else, and he should be fine. But uh, he had, let's see, yesterday, five and a third, gave up three runs, two only, two of them earned, seven hits, struck out four, didn't hit you a walk, which is good, obviously. Uh, much of the damage in the first inning again. He got out three hits and two runs in the first inning. Then he retired 14 out of the next 16 guys. Yeah. So so that's good. And for the hamstring thing. So first two starts, he's given up seven earned runs in 11 innings, struck out nine, only walked one. Well, I like the no walks. Yeah. You know? I mean, 
it's you know it's it's hard to really put too much into starters performance right now because none of them got a chance to fully build up like if he had these two starts at the end of spring training you just shake them off and it's whatever you know the fact that the season started pretty quick and i think starting pitchers are the guys most likely to be affected yeah you know i mean that's the reason spring training so long in the first place is just to let those guys build up so I mean, Kershaw had a perfect game yesterday, and they had to take him out because he's only thrown seventy something pitches. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to it's hard to really gauge starting pitching right now. But I thought I haven't thought he's looked bad, just a little off, which is okay yeah. this early in the year. Yeah, and and Max is usually his toughest critic too. So yeah, so his comments about himself kind of gives you an indication of where he is. He said, "I think there's a lot of good." I'm getting outs on soft contact, which I try to get and thrive on. I also know that I make mis- I make mistakes over the middle of the plate. When I make mistakes over the middle of the plate, they're getting hit. It's yeah. refining that and knowing that if I'm going to be missing, I'd rather miss a little off the plate than the middle of the plate. Those are the kind of adjustments you make over the season and be more comfortable in the game setting and being able to make that adjustment pitch to pitch. Well, especially if your stuff's not there yet. You know, I mean, it's – when you're throwing 97 in July and you miss over the middle of the plate, you might get away with it. But when you're down right. a tick or two, it's a little colder. You know, it's like those mistakes just happen to get hit early on when you when you don't have your full stuff, you're not fully built up. Um, but those are the, those are kind of the things that even spring training, you might get away with 94 because the hitters haven't seen 94 yet. Then yeah. you jump into the season and everybody's ready to go. Guys have adrenaline, they're amped up, and those mistakes get hit. Um, but Again, I mean, it's just it's so early, and starting pitchers haven't really had a chance to build up. It's it's hard to get a serious read on any starter right now. Yeah, and it's hard to get a serious read on a lot of hitters too right now because a lot of good hitters yeah. are striking out a ton, not doing much at the plate. And then a guy like uh, Marcelo Zuna, who played winter ball, he looks good, man. He looks yeah. ahead of ahead of most of the Braves hitters. So um, it just depends, you know, how much the guys did in the offseason because they normally get you know thirty, forty, fifty at bats at least at spring training. Instead, most of them got like fifteen to twenty. You know. Yeah, that's that's uh that's tough. Yeah. Uh Josiah Gray yesterday walked three, but he only gave up one hit in five innings, scoreless innings. Only only run the Braves had was uh Austin Riley's home run after Gray left the game. Uh they got him in that Max Scherzer trade. Gray's uh, three starts against the Braves since they uh since August. He's got a two two five ERA against the Braves, twenty one strikeouts in sixteen innings. He's got a good breaking ball. <laughs> You know, yeah, good yeah. stuff all around. I mean, good arm slot. I'm watching his highlights right now. Yeah, so they might have got another. We have, might have a new Braves nemesis here. It's safe to say they're going to hang on to him after you know get him in the Scherzer trade. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. One of the phenoms, one of the biggest stories of the early season, obviously, has been uh, Cleveland's Stephen Kwan, the rookie, off to this ridiculous start. I mean, he didn't even have a swing and miss until yesterday. Not one. Um, I was crunching numbers, though, this morning. As great a start as he's having, like historic start, he's hitting 526, eight walks, one strikeout, 656, a 655 OBP, and a 737 slugging percentage. He doesn't even have his team's highest OPS. <laughs> Who does? Ramirez? Nope. Owen Miller, the first baseman, is hitting 524, 11 for 21. He's got five doubles, two homers, only two strikeouts, and a 1,048 slugging percentage, so a 1,593 OPS. <laughs> <laughs> so between the two of them, Owen Miller and uh, and uh, Quan. 
Quan, they have uh, three strikeouts. That's crazy, especially in today's game when yeah. it's pretty acceptable to strike out. Yeah. So in further uh, kind of fun with small sample sizes here, Matt Olson, his first seven games with the Braves, uh, very encouraging. He's hit 391, and that's after having an 0 for yesterday. He had 391, two doubles, a homer, eight walks, six strikeouts, 548 OBP, 609 slugging, 1157 OPS. And again, that's after his 0 for that he had uh, against the Nats yesterday. Well, Austin Riley that, hitting 333, eight for 24. Remember that horrible start he got off to last year? He had, didn't have an extra yeah. base hit in the first 15 games or and no RBIs. Uh, didn't 18 games maybe for first uh, extra base hit. Anyway. Three for 33, or three 33s, eight for 24, two doubles, two homers, and 11.51 OPS. Yeah, I mean, he's picking up right where he left off. I yeah. think that, you know, like the the big fear that, that I always have with a guy that's been great somewhere and gets traded to his, you know, first new team is always getting off to that good start. Um, and so I think that's real encouraging for Olsen to not come in. Yeah. And you know he's not a shitty player. Yeah. But when you come in somewhere and you go 0 for 17 to start the season, like Lindor. It, it, how different is Lindor's season last year if he just gets off to a hot start in New York? No doubt. You know, and so for Olsen, I think it's huge to get off to a hot start and just show that he can be comfortable and hit anywhere and 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 just not have to deal with the, the a new fan base not 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 knowing you, new new teammates not not knowing what you're capable of. He showed everybody right away, and that whole hurdle's just jumped over. Yeah, and now he can just play. I always think that's a big deal when you get off to a hot start with a new team. Um, and this, you know, Austin's coming off this stunning kind of first team all MLB season last year. Yeah. So to see him continue to do what he did last year and show, you know, for anybody that thought, okay, let's see him do it again. Well, he's doing the same thing again. And now that everybody has a book on him now, he ain't surprising anybody. They know what he hits. They know what to try to exploit, whatever. Yeah. There ain't much to exploit. He's not chasing anymore. those sliders. He's, nope. he's taking the tough ones. But, you know, yeah. the guys you were just talking about with Cleveland, that's my gut. When you start bringing up a guy hitting 526, I'm like, okay, yeah. well, Let's see what he's hitting when the league figures him out. And Austin kind of went through that. Mm. You know, the, he came up and he hit everything. He was, was Babe Ruth. For a month. And they, then they figured out how to pitch to him, and he had to adjust back. And that's that's usually the major hurdle as a major leaguer is not what you initially do when nobody knows you. But when yep. the league adjusts back and you prove you can adjust back to them and play the cat and mouse, yep. now you're seeing this is like now I know who Austin Riley is. You know, right. he did it for a full year. He's doing it again this year. You know, you know what to expect from him now. Another classic case of that, what you're talking about, was French was Frank Ur. Remember when yeah. Frenchie came up and he just raked and he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated after like <laughs> yeah. six weeks, the natural. And then he everybody the, stopped throwing him strikes. And he was the celebrated bad ball hitter and all that. Yep. But then people started figuring out, okay, I can get him here. There's a hole <laughs> in the swing there. And yeah. I faced so, Frenchie one time and I'd had a two pitch inning and he got in the box and I was like you know, it's like the cardinal sin of a lineup to swing first pitch after right. a pitcher's had two outs on two pitches. Right. I was like, shit, he might swing here. And I threw a ball. I wanted to find out if he was going to swing more than anything. Yeah. But I, I think just knowing he might come out of his shoes anyway, I wound up kind of guiding the pitch and staying away from contact and throwing a ball. But I've always wanted to ask him, I should, if he would have swung there. <laughs> um, I think the most encouraging thing – on the position player side, and we'll get to the pitcher because I thought Bryce Elder the other night was, yeah, he was phenomenal. Nasty. I was really impressed with him. The most encouraging thing for me on position player side is Marcel Azuna. Um, and I know there's kind of been a reluctance of some people to embrace him coming back or whatever, so let's, let's forget what happened off the field. I'm talking about on the field. Yeah. This guy's doing exactly what the Braves hoped he'd do. Looks a whole lot like more like he did in 2020 when he led the leagues in homers and, and, homers and RBI than last year when he really was struggling before got injured, hurt the fingers, then got suspended for the domestic violence. He looks like the guy he was in 2020 right now, or pretty close. Yeah. He's hit 321, nine for 28, three doubles, two homers. He had the two homer game the other night and a double in that game. Five RBIs, only two strikeouts, which is really big. Yeah. 976 OPS. Still doesn't take a walk. He's got one so far, but that doesn't matter. He's not up there to hit, to walk. He's up there to hit, not to get he's not a 500 OBP guy. He's up there to do damage, as he says. Uh, and he's doing it so far. He looks really good. He's in great shape, and he's really picked up where he left off uh, in 2020 rather than last year. Yeah, I mean, and that's 
the the depth of the lineups playing into that too. You know, it's it's not yeah. like he's the last tough hitter you're facing. You can pitch right. around him, but just for me, when I watch him and he's smashing balls to right field, I don't really know what else to throw to him. You yeah. know, when he's when he's not covering the slider down away, righty righty. But if you hang a slider down like just away, you know, at the belt to him, he will destroy it to right center. And he's got some quick hands, so he's tough to get in on. Um, it's kind of like with him, it seems like he's just got a lot of moving parts yeah. and a lot of it's up to him. Like if his swings locked in, he's pretty tough to pitch to. If his swings all jacked up, you can make mistakes and he'll just miss them. But uh-huh. he's in that mode right now where his timing, everything's, I mean, his contact's good. He's not getting fooled too much. Um, he's one of those guys that I don't really know how to pitch to when he's healthy. And if you add Acuna to the top of that lineup, Oof. All of a sudden, one through four, one through five is as good as any in baseball, maybe. It's, yeah. It's definitely in the National League is as good as any. Uh, and that's what so far you did nothing from Eddie Rosario. You know he's going to take, he's going to get hot. Uh, he wasn't hitting at all last year in Cleveland. Then he got hurt, came over to the Braves while he was still in the IL. And remember when he got fire after coming to the Braves, he carried them for yeah. part of the regular season and then obviously in the postseason when he was the NLCS MVP. So, but right now, he is one for 20 with a single, three walks, four strikeouts. Dansby Swanson has been the one that's been like, oof. But he did show some encouraging signs the other day after that whiff-a-thon of a start to the season. But he's four for 25, Dansby is, with two doubles, two RBIs, three walks, 13 strikeouts in 25 ABs, 490 OPS. He's, no other major leaguer has, a, has more than 11 strikeouts. But he has slowed that the last two games significantly. Let's see. So we'll see where he is, you know, after this trip. Yeah, he can, you know, he can get hot in a hurry. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've seen this from him but plenty of times over the years where all of a sudden he can't hit anything. Yep. And you everybody gets worried about him. And then yep. you know, it's it's crazy because in a baseball season, there's so many ways to wind up at your final numbers. Right. And some guys are just consistent all year long. Dansby seems to just go in waves where he's incredibly hot. And then right. he'll have, you know, two weeks where he's striking out here and there. I don't know what's better. I mean, it's it's probably better to have a guy carry a team for two weeks and hit 270 than just be a flat 270 throughout the season because those yeah. two weeks make a big difference. Um, but that's kind of. You know, with him, I just – if he can cut down the strikeouts and hit the ball the other way, he's usually pretty good. And if we went back last year, I know we could find a Plenty week, of times. more than weeks, where he had a week like this where he struck out in half his ABs. But then you also remember that stretch he had last year where he was like, okay, he's now he's one of the best shortstops in baseball. When he had that stretch for like three or four weeks when yep. he was – he was – well, shit, he was the best hitter on the team for about three weeks. I mean, he was killing yeah. the ball. Well, so, and that's the that's a major thing to remember as a player is it's always amplified yeah. when you get that that fresh stat line to start a year. Yeah. If you're a relief pitcher and you give up that four spot, you got to carry a six ERA for the whole month, even if you pitch great. You know, if yeah. you if you're a if if you're Dansby and you go zero for fourteen with seven punchies in July, you know everybody's like kind of like ah, I think he's a little cold right now. You know, people might not even pick up on it, but when you start a season shitty. Or yeah. you start a season hot, it's it's amplified and everybody sees it. But you know, it's such a long year, your numbers usually find out where they're gonna be. You know, that's that's that water finds its level quote. Um and then another guy like that, Alex Dickerson. Everybody if you haven't watched the games, you just look at his stat line. This guy's over ten the ball with hard. three strikeouts. Four of the seven balls that he's put into play have had exit velos of over a hundred miles an hour. I think the balls aren't really flying the same. Because oh, he's agree. hit a few balls, and I've seen him jogging off the field shaking his head that might have been out in, in different years. But I've seen a lot of balls around the league that are winding up at the track. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm going to do a note on that today. Um, I was talking to Travis Darno the other day, and catchers know this shit as well as anybody. Pitchers yeah. and catchers know exactly what the balls, what the difference is because they have their hands on them the whole game. He said, he said, uh, um, was talking about the balls and how they weren't carrying that first week. I said, uh, who, who was he talking about uh, control? Somebody was a little off, and, 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 he, and, and he was talking about the balls. I said, are the balls slicker this year? He said, they're slicker. He goes, so the seams are higher. He goes, yeah. I mean, who knows? It might be different tomorrow. I really don't know. But this past week, he said, I noticed fly balls started dying a little earlier and line drives carrying a little further. Yeah. He said, I know the other side they had – on the other side they had – he was talking about the, the Reds. They had a few that weren't – they weren't trying to hit uh, batters, 
but the ball slipped a little more, so it probably makes it a little harder for pitching. And and I asked him again uh, to kind of elaborate on that. He said, I think uh, on the balls down at the track, because the Braves had like five or six on this homestand or home runs in any other time, you know, in yep. the summer or whatever. He said, I think because of the bigger seams, and it made sense. He goes, if you put the ball in the air, it's going to go higher instead of further now. So whereas the line yep. drive is more like a golf swing, and it just yep. kind of takes off, you know, with that, yep. that backspin, kind of like yep. Olsen's home run the other day. He oh, said that yeah. was a 19-degree angle. It was low, but it just kept carrying. He said, to me, that tells me the balls, the ball we have been using, the seams are higher, so it's making the fly balls kind of die a little more and the line drives are carrying a little more. That He said, that's what I've noticed, at least watching highlights and watching the games that we've played. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. You know, those, yeah. those seams will grab and, and keep the ball elevated on a low line drive, but on a high one, you know, mm-hmm. a fly ball, they're going to keep pulling it up higher. And eventually when that you know, when that velocity dies out, the ball's just going to fall straight down. But if they're slick and low seams, they'll just cut through the air and, and yeah. get out, you know, before before they start to die. I've, I've just seen, I mean, I've seen so many balls that, like the ball Giancarlo Stanton hit last night, and he stood there at the plate, and, uh-huh. and the announcer announced it as a home run, and then realized it was caught, the radio guy. Um, it, it, those I've seen quite a few of those where guys seem pretty convinced that they got him, and, and they didn't get out. Yeah. Cause I, I know what it was now, the conversation I started talking to uh, Travis and we were talking about pitchers struggling a little bit. And I said how different it is with only having uh, three and a half weeks of spring training instead of seven. And he said, yeah, he goes, you know, they haven't, they haven't uh, built up pitch counts and all that. And he goes, and especially with the balls being different this year. And that's when I was like, Oh really? And I asked him about yeah. the balls. So that's what, but he was the one that brought it up. He's had a lot of practice in New York kind of saying things, but not saying things, you know, like what he said to you about, um, I don't know if the ball will be the same tomorrow. Um, right, right. I mean that that's me saying that's me reading into it that he's kind of on on onto it that the balls change a lot and MLB right. tinkers with him, which I don't know what other sport the ball changes in that much. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean if you're pitching, you know your slider breaks more all of a sudden. Yeah, your curveball breaks more. Your fastball rides more. Your sinker might stay a little straighter. So control problems changing the balls would would make sense. And we, yeah, you're talking about baseball, how they'll change it. You've seen, you've seen this, uh, you've seen Rob Manford last year being conscious of when people were talking about, you know, there's either too much offense or not enough. And you, and all of a sudden it changes on a dime. And then they deny <laughs> that the balls are changing and all that. And then somebody in, in some scientists test the balls and finds out that no, their balls have changed, dude. You're lying. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they don't do that in football. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just so weird to just see. It's it's the the players being fooled. Yeah, that, it helps that's when so MLB owns the baseball, the company yeah. that makes the baseballs. Even in the playoffs, I felt like the ball wasn't flying as much. At least the first round, I was watching the, the series and being like, "Damn, I thought he crushed that." And then it winds up at the track. Um, it'd just be nice if it was just the same damn ball. It was so noticeable in this homestand, though, compared to early last year. Remember, the ball was flying early last year, and you're like, "Holy yeah. shit, this is like a home run park now." Yeah. And then this time the ball was like dying. Every time you'd think, oh, he's got that one, it'd die on the warning track. Yep. There were hardly any home runs in this series, man, or this home stand. I mean, that'd be so frustrating as a player, though, because you, you, a, a pitcher, you know, trying to throw balls with different seams. I mean, if you watch a game, the balls are supposed to be the same, and you'll see a pitcher throw two or three balls out. And if you handed right. it to, you know, somebody that's not trained and didn't pitch for as long as these guys did – they could never tell you the difference, but a pitcher can grab a ball and feel the difference yeah. in a split second. But like, this one sucks. You ever seen that video of Linscombe throwing balls out yeah. at, uh, in Colorado? Yeah. He could tell uh, uh, supposedly what balls had been in the humidor and which ones hadn't. And he was throwing the juice balls away. Well, you know, and, and that's the other thing is I'm going to be interested to see as, as the season goes along. Like Travis said, though, this is going to be – you have to give it a bigger sample size to tell. But I want to see what the humidor effect is going to be because every ballpark has a humidor now. That's yeah. new this year. Yeah. So it's going to change places like Atlanta in the summer, yep. Houston in the summer. And even if you play in a dome, you still get the humidity effect. People think, oh, they play in a dome. It doesn't matter. But it does. But a place like San Francisco, they have the highest humidity. Realize that? Not because it's more humid in the, in, in, than Atlanta, because it's not, but they have that moisture in the air because it's right by the water. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how the ball flies in San Francisco this year when they keep those balls in a humidor. It's going to make them tighter like the ones in – are drier like the ones in Colorado used to be 
before they added the humidor in Colorado for the opposite reason, to make the balls okay. more moist. So I was trying to understand the purpose of this. So this is just bringing every ball. They to want the every s- ball to be uniform. So Got the places it. where it's dry, like in Colorado, they wanted them to be more moist, like a cigar right. humidor. You want to keep the yeah. cigars moist. But at places where they have high humidity, they want to keep them drier. So they want every ball to have, theoretically, that's what they want every ball to be. They want it to be a lot more uniform. Well, that'd be good. Actually, I mean, I kind of like that. Maybe that's yeah. what we're seeing. You know, maybe that's the effect we're seeing because any park by water, I yeah. noticed during my career, the ball just doesn't fly. Safeco, uh, you know, especially along the West Coast, like L.A. at night, the ball right. goes nowhere. San Diego, right. the ball goes nowhere. So, you know, I mean, maybe you see balls start to fly at, at Safeco and, and, you know, Dodger Stadium, Angel Stadium. And then yeah. I would think in Atlanta, you know, it seems like the Oakland. ball flies just fine. Oakland, the ball goes nowhere. Right. And anything real close to water, I, uh-huh. I always felt like it doesn't fly, except Cincinnati. I mean, that's just a river. But it would be it would be interesting to see if the ball really flies in Atlanta now because Atlanta's so humid. And Cincinnati, the ball the ballpark is so dinky it's that you can't really tiny. tell. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting. It really is to see what this effect, because you should have an effect. I mean, I, you know, it should have an effect if they if they actually use it. And they keep them in there all day until the game time and bring them out. It should have an effect. The ball yeah. should be drier or more moist, depending on where you are. So, yeah, it's funny they do that. But it, so at least you're doing that. But you're still in a in a in a sport where there's no uniformity at all to the ballparks themselves. <laughs> right. But at you least you can make two hundred thirty foot fence in Yankee Stadium in right yeah. field. I, man, I, I saw Stanton hit a home run the other day. That I'm like, that's such a bullshit, man. I mean, he's yeah. a beast that can hit home runs anywhere. But that home run was not just a not a home run in other ballparks, but it barely made the warning track in most ballparks. Yeah. It's a routine fly ball in most ballparks. When it you would shag- not have made the warning track in a few ballparks, and he hits no. it like the second row at Yankee Stadium. It's it's a joke. I, when you shag there, you know, like as, there's a comfort distance from home plate that you like to be as a as a pitcher to have kind of space and be able to catch the balls and read them yeah. and stuff. When you shag in right field at Yankee Stadium, you feel like you're standing right behind second base. And you try to move back and you realize you're, you know, 20 feet from the wall. And yeah. you don't want to get too close to the wall because the fans are screaming at you and Yankee fans will just trash you. You know, so you're trying to keep this distance from them. It's like it gets so crowded in right field there because it's just so small. And I, I think it helps right-handed hitters way more than lefties. Because a lefty power hitter, if they right. get it, it's gone either right. way. But a right-handed hitter like LeMahieu, Right. What a dream stadium for him right. to be able to flip balls ball, out the other routine way. Routine fly ball and it's out. Yeah. I, I think I don't like it. I think there should be a minimum. Um, there should be a minimum. I don't care about the quirkiness of ball because I like that. And there should be yeah. no maximum. They should be as big as they want them. But there should be a minimum standard for 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 length, for distance, for home, yeah. for fence. It's like in Houston, the Crawford boxes are listed at like whatever three twenty whatever, and they're actually like three oh five. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But somebody took a rangefinder out there. <laughs> right. Yeah. But at least they're a high wall. You know, like the Green Monster. Yeah. But like Yankee Stadium, it's like not even a high fence in right. It's a short porch, and it's 238 feet. That fence, if they're going to have it that short, they should have a 25-foot wall out there, you know? Yeah. But they won't do that because then you have to eat a lot of seats, and they're not going to do that. So No but good. Yeah. yeah. And then a guy that plays his whole career there and gets a huge contract, like Stanton goes there, and, you know, and, and, and well, he got his huge contract. Was that, yeah, it was that pre-winter. They're going to get, you know, it's just distorts everything. For a guy that yeah. spends a lot of time there, it's like he's going to have these numbers and you're like, oh, I wonder what he would have hit elsewhere. But Yeah, I mean, I think about that with pitchers too. You know, if you yeah. pitched your whole career in Yankee Stadium and now you get to go throw at Safeco, you know. Yeah. I'll put some money on that guy. Or if a guy plays long-term in Cincinnati, Colorado, Yankee Stadium, you know, depending yep. on what's righty-lefty. But, yeah, it's just, it just changes everything, man. So I, I mean, that's why Colorado just can't even get a pitcher to sign there. I don't yeah. know if it even matters how much money they throw at him because that field is so big and the ball flies so far. You're going to get bled to death with singles. Yeah, your your pitches don't do anything because of the thin air, and right. then you do give up a well hit ball. There's no chance it stays in the park. Yeah, humidor or not. Yeah. Yeah, I think people don't. Uh, people probably don't realize that most of the damage that pitchers get there is all those is all Loop those singles. singles that fall in front of the outfielders and yeah. those extra base hits to the gaps. I mean, you hit yeah. a ball to the gap there, and it's triple. It's just made for triples that ballpark. Yeah. The, and even triples, if you don't get the triple, the dude's scoring from first every yeah. time. The triples later should be from Colorado every year. If you have a speedy guy, he's going to be because <laughs> you just yeah. hit in the gap and it's going yeah. to the wall, and you just run yeah. it, man. 
Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. You don't want to put too much in a pitcher's uh, debut or any of that because the other team doesn't know him. They don't have a book on him usually at all. But I just thought I could not have been more impressed by Bryce Elder the other day. His demeanor, his mound presence is off the charts for a 22-year-old kid who was pitching in college, who was pitching in A-ball a year ago at this time. Yeah. And and you know, and, and and he was in the 2020 draft. Braves already have two guys from the 2020 draft in the majors, and they were fourth and fifth rounders. That was only a five-round draft. And right. they have two guys, him and uh Spencer Strider. And they're both really impressive. But Bryce Elder to me, this kid looks like he's gonna be a star, dude. He's got it. Well, I mean, that's the biggest question. You know, I mean, that's that's why you don't get too excited about guys in AAA is like the biggest hurdles, the bright lights. You know, how, right. how are they going to handle feeling uncomfortable and being on the big stage? And there's nothing you can do better to ease that. You know, like we talked about with the COVID year, the guys didn't have to deal with that. They got to get yeah. their feet wet and deal with the big leagues with empty stadiums, which might have been a hurdle itself for a lot of veterans and stuff. But for rookies, it's it's a lot easier to go pitch in Boston when there's no fans. Yeah, um, absolutely. So like, for him to to come in and and pitch that well and look that calm, um, throwing four or five different pitches, uh, it's really impressive. Five pitches, and yeah. like you said, his demeanor. I think he just well, you give up a homer to Soto, that's just a tough break. You know, anybody can do that. But the next one, um, I can't remember who it. Oh, Josh Bell hit it. Um, it, he just left a couple pitches up. But up until and he was that out of point, gas. he it was, was out of gas. Inning. Yeah, and up until that point, you know, he. he didn't make too many mistakes. I, I was really impressed with how he threw. Yeah, and that was the sixth inning where, yep. you know, if it wasn't, if the Braves had not been in the position they were in, where, and by the way, him and Jackson Stevens saved the day because the Braves' bullpen was, they were, the whole staff was yep. worn at that point. Yep. For those guys to come in and throw all but one out in that game was huge as far as the pitching staff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Elder, this is his first major league start coming off a three and a half week spring training, and he pitched into the sixth inning. Now, if he'd have taken him out after five, You'd be looking at that start going, holy. Yep. I mean, it was until those back-to-back home runs, he was hardly made any mistakes. And what impressed me even more was they start the game, the guy lays down a bunt on the first pitch of the game. Yeah. And got you, you know, you're thinking that's smart. They're getting in his head. Yeah. And then he's got to face Soto with a guy on first. He's thrown one pitch in his major league career, and Juan Soto's in the box. Yep. You know, and Soto singles up the middle. So I'm going, oh, God, this ain't starting out good. And then, boom, nothing else. He retires like the next 12 guys. He got like 13 outs and 12 batters. Because the third batter, he gets a ground, a double play grounder. Well, and it's so easy to let the game speed up on you there. You know, I yeah. mean, you already are so out of control emotionally in your major league debut. Um, and then you got first and second, no outs in three pitches, whatever it was. You know, all of a sudden it's just like, holy shit, this could turn into a disaster. Yeah, you know, and to, and to stay calm and keep pitching and making pitches, I think that's just—it's kind of a poise you can't teach. I think you can learn it, but to show up with it is pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, talking to Darno, this was about three or four hours before the game. I asked Darno what he remembered about him from spring training because this kid pitched. As it worked out, he pitched the first Grapefruit League start when they didn't want to use any of the regulars because they had just gotten into camp and he'd been in minor league camp because he wasn't on the forty-man roster. That's why he was in minor league camp. But he pitched the first start, and he pitched the last Grapefruit League game. And he pitched seven and two-thirds innings and didn't give up any hits in spring training. So I asked Darno what he thought about him. He goes, oh, yeah, he goes, he's a hard worker, a diligent worker. He said he knows who he is, knows how to pitch, and didn't seem phased by anything. He was talking about spring training. The moment was never too big. He just was himself the whole time, which I think goes an extremely long way in this sport. Oh, it's everything. And it's that's why I say it's like it's not necessarily something you can teach. Some guys just have that. Some guys can just roll into the big leagues and just take it like another day. But it's the hardest thing to do. I mean, that's where you see so many guys you hear about in AAA come up and struggle. I mean, that's the difference is all of a sudden there's this new pressure on them and they're overwhelmed and they can't control it all. Um, But some guys, again, the guys that you see come up and just do well right away. Yeah, they're, they're just born with this ability to stay calm and keep playing baseball. I don't, you know, I don't know how I learned it. My first, my major league debut, I couldn't even feel the ball in my hand. And I, I just got through the inning luckily, but I pitched the worst I pitched in three months. And some guys come up and you watch them and they just cruise right through it. And it, it's, 
it's hard to believe because I felt so much pressure. But yeah, it's it's always really impressive and a really good sign about the the pitcher or the individual that that does it that they can handle pressure. Yeah, he gave up the you know three the two hits in his first three pitches of his career, and then he gets Josh Bell to ground in the double play. So and then after that, he retired twelve batters in a row until the uh, uh, and gave up only one run and two hits through five innings. Yep. Then he gave up consecutive two out solo homers by Soto and Josh Bell in the sixth. So that was it. He said, obviously, I didn't want it to end the way it did, but I think I made good pitches throughout the night. Um, at the end, I've just got to be a little better, but I can't complain. I had a lot of fun and I enjoyed it out there. He was like, after the game, dude, you would have thought it was just he had done this a thousand times. He was so <laughs> calm. I'm like, I, I said, are you more excited than you appear or were you excited? He goes, yeah, I get excited. He goes, but, it, you know, he goes, he goes, I used to show more excitement and emotion in college after I get like a big strikeout and then I'd be in there and he goes, I realized I got to come back out the next inning <laughs> yep. and I need to throw that same pitch again and then throw it again. So he said, I, I realized I'm not getting much out of being, you know, showing so much emotion. So he doesn't show it. Yep. And it works for him, man. This guy is as calm as I've ever seen a young guy. Well, I, I always think guys that are fist pumping and going crazy, you know, it's, it's a sign that they're doubting themselves. Yeah. And, and that's where the whole act like you've done it before thing comes from is it's, it's act like you meant to do that, you know, and, and it, when you have confidence in yourself and your base is loaded two outs and you're facing pool holes or something and you strike him out yeah. and just walk off the field. For me, that was the best feeling in the world. Cause it was like, I was calm and controlled this whole time and knew I could get out of this situation. When you see guys that are, especially as a starting pitcher, fist pumping in the first, second inning. Yeah. You know, like there's a good chance they're going to gas out. Cause anytime you watch a reliever come into a game and get out of a ridiculous situation, and they fist yeah. pump and go crazy. You come into the dugout and you think you've done the, your job and you let your guard down and the, the pitching coach points to you and tells you you're going back out. Yeah. It is so freaking hard to get back <laughs> up for it after you've already celebrated victory. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the best players are the guys that can just stay even keeled through those situations. You know, I mean, that's that's a really good sign about him that he already learned that lesson. Yeah. He, uh, he had five and two-thirds innings, six hits, three runs, no walks. Yeah, that's huge. Four, four strikeouts, 85 pitches, including 50 strikes. And through five, it was only like uh, 59 or 60 pitches through five innings. I mean, he was cruising. He uh, That was the game Ozuna had the two homers and a double. The Braves had 19 hits. They won 16 to four. They destroyed Patrick Corbin. Corbin is like 0-7 in his last seven starts against the Braves with an ERA over seven. They have just yeah. totally figured out something in that guy. They just well, kill him. It's probably just a thing now with him. Yeah. You know, you have these opponents or teams or stadiums that you hate to pitch in. Yeah. It's like you just you start on the wrong foot. Just yeah. look at, you know, just getting off the plane in San Francisco. You know, I did okay there, but I never felt there good there. Yeah. Getting off the plane there is like, fuck, I hope I don't pitch. <laughs> just because of the way that things had gone and how hard I yeah. had to battle there. But we'd get off the plane in Philly, and I wanted to pitch all three games because things had just gone well against that team. You know, so much of it's confidence. Uh, yeah, Jackson Stevens, man, he pitches three innings in that game. They brought him from AAA, added him to the 40 that day. He was a non-roster guy, signed a minor league contract. This is a guy who had not pitched in a major since 2018. He had two years with the Reds. Was okay. Hadn't pitched in a major since then. And then he goes, he was overseas. I was thinking Korea or Japan. But he was uh, the Venezuelan League this year. He was a pitcher of the year in the Venezuelan League. Really pitched great down there. Big strikeouts, no walks. Brave signed into a minor league deal. Now he looks like he had, you know, come back from Tommy John. Now he looks like he's uh, he could be a, a big part of that pen if he can give him innings like that, you know, be a multiple innings guy. Oh, you can never have you can never have too many guys in your pen that can go two or three innings. Yeah. And you got another one of those in Spencer Strider who so far has looked really good. That big yep. arm will play, man. Yep. You know, he might only have two or three pitches, but he throws 99-100 like it's nothing. I mean. It looks pretty easy. Yeah. For a guy that's about six foot and maybe 190 pounds. He, uh, so those two guys, that was big, having seeing the seeing what those two guys can bring to the table for these guys, especially after losing Luke like he did, to see Strider yeah. step up like that and then Jackson Stevens step up like that. Pretty big. Luke had Tommy John uh, yesterday, by the way. So he's done for the year and should be part of next year too, which kind of sucks because he was going to be a free agent. So, But yeah, glad he did it now, uh, like you said. Bad timing. Cost him a lot. Yeah. 
Uh, and, they, and by the way, they didn't tell Bryce Elder that he was pitching until 9.30 the night before because they had to use Tucker Davidson in relief the night before. They had two starters the night before, both get rocked. Tucker Davidson gave up five runs in, in nothing at the end of the game. And Enoa didn't even he, – he was bad. He gave up five runs too. So they, the two of them, five and six starters, both got knocked out in the same game. So they ended up bringing up uh, Elder as a result of that. Well, he, he does what he did again and, you know – you're looking at being the number four, five, six. Oh yeah, you know? I mean, he's not going anywhere anytime yeah. soon. I think his next start will be against the Dodgers in Dodger Stadium, and that will be interesting. That's a that's another level than the Reds. Yeah, yeah, and I think just with his demeanor, I'll be really interested to see it. But I'll be surprised if he even gets excited if he gets too excited there too, because I think it's just him. I think he's going to be locked in, and he did pitch in a lot. of – I know it's a totally different uh, level. But when you pitch in, you know, the, in 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 uh, the SEC, the Big Twelve, go to the College World Series, you are pitching in front of big crowds on Friday nights and, and frenzied crowds. So you, it's a little different than it is at most other colleges. So, and he did pitch in Texas, and he was their big starter. So, um, he, it's not like he just went into it. I mean, there's a lot more, uh, there's a lot more hoopla about those games than there are minor league games. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, the the minor league games, you know, it's it's really hard to prepare for. I mean, half the time there's a dizzy bat race or something going on between innings or yeah. <laughs> people jumping around in sumo suits. You know, it's it's kind of yeah. like the game's really not the focus. They're just trying to keep the fans entertained and get them to come back any way they can. And then if you happen to hit a walk-off in the ninth, the, the fans that are still there and their kids didn't scream and they had to go home, <laughs> you know, they they cheer for you. But there's the minor leagues really don't do a great job, and I don't know yeah. how they could. I'm not criticizing them, but right. of preparing you for – all of a sudden, fifty thousand at Dodger yeah. Stadium going nuts. He, uh, he, by the way, Elder had it was pretty cool. They stole him at nine thirty. He calls his parents, his girlfriend. He had over twelve people fly in from Texas to make it the next night for his game. That's awesome. Yeah, his mom and dad were there. His his, uh, his uncle, his girlfriend, a uh, bunch of friends. So that was pretty cool to have those people there. Uh, getting to watch your son. Getting to watch your son because I have three boys now. Yeah make his major league debut. Like if I ever had that moment, I can't even imagine it. I would, I would fly any, I mean, that's what his dad said. He said, I would have drove if I had to, you know, he's not missing that, but that'd be such a cool moment. I'm jealous. Every time I see these dads get to watch their kids make their debut. Yeah. Here's that quote I was talking about. He said, when I was in college, I showed more emotion. And then I kind of figured out that coming off, off of that, you got to go back out the next inning. Yep. And so I try to be as even keel as possible and go try to make one good pitch at a time and then make it again. He said, I get yep. excited sometimes for sure, but I try to keep it all consistent, even when it's going good or, go, or it's going bad. Try to be consistent as possible. Pretty good. Staying for a even, kid. even keeled. Just stay even keeled. Don't ride the roller coaster. You know, I mean, that's what you tell guys early on in the season, too, when they're starting off 0 for 14 with seven punch outs. Yeah. Don't ride the roller coaster. So the three two-out hits he gave in there before he came out, he also gave up a double. And they pulled him. Those, those doubled his previous hits total in the game. He'd only given yeah. up three hits in the first five innings. So really looking forward to seeing his next start because that was, that was about as impressive as a debut can be for me. Yeah. Yeah. It was – yeah. <laughs> That's all you can ask for. Soto's homer, by the way, was his 100th of his career. He's up there in like the top five or six as, fast, as far as fastest to 100s right there with Acuna. It was um, well struck. And the fourth longest of his career, 451. Yeah. And considering how the ball was not flying, that made it even more impressive. I I mean, I don't know if you could throw a more perfect pitch to Juan Soto and his swing, a ball cutting in on him just a yeah. hair, belt high. I mean, it's that if, if you could throw that pitch to him in the home run derby, he'd hit a home run every time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just getting tired and and leaving it there. You know that wasn't like that was his plan to throw, but that ball was destroyed. If I could have anybody swing in the game, I think I'd take Soto's. Yeah. Uh, Elder, by the way, sinker, four seamer, which acts like a cutter. It, they called it a cutter on game day because it moves. It, his four maybe that's what moves. Soto hit. I thought it was a cutter hit. So yeah, sinker, four seamer, slider, change up, curveball, and he threw all of them in his first eight pitches of the game. Whew. Yeah. Uh, Darno said it's impressive, especially at this stage when he was just called yesterday. Basically, it's cool to see him, and I'm really happy for him. He's had called it tremendous, tremendous. That's what Darno said. Yeah. Uh, fifth round draft pick. It's going to be a steal of that draft because they 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 paid him over uh, slot. Um, pitcher of the year last year in the minors for the Braves had a two seven five year and twenty five starts in high A, double A, AA, and triple A combined. 
And the thing was, he got better as he went up. Triple A was where he was the best last year. Yeah. He, uh, he had set two, four, five ERA and seven starts in Triple A, 40 strikeouts, and only one home run allowed in 36 innings. So normally when guys pitch better in Triple A, it tells you they are actually pitching and they know how to mm-hmm. pitch and set up hitters and all this stuff. Because you see a big leaguer go down to A ball and they get frustrated because they're like, yeah. it doesn't make any sense why he was ready for a fastball in right there. And then they realize like the dudes they're facing in A ball aren't thinking. Yeah. This guy yeah. was committed to fastball in five straight pitches in a row. And even though you started him off with four sliders, he's still sitting dead red fastball yeah. in. So when you see guys get better as they climb the ladder, it means that they're actually pitching and not just living off their stuff. So that's a good sign, too. All right. Well, in San Diego, we're going to have uh, Charlie Morton pitching here for the first time since the uh, since that LCS that they had out here during the pandemic when he was with the uh, uh, Rays and they beat his old team, the Astros. So it'll be his first start since then. He pitched great that night. Um, so you got to like the Rays' chances in that one. That's good to have him going to start this road trip. They need to start the road trip off with a nice game to get this thing get this thing going, but I think we'll have a lot better feel for where things stand after this, after the seven games on this trip. It'll be 14 games in 14 days to start the season. Yeah, it's going to be a longer, harder season with uh, less off days. That, yeah. That it's going to be something to keep an eye on. And already the depth is coming into play, the depth that yeah. they uh, – yeah, especially with the pitching staff. So Short spring. All right, well, we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys again from out here in the West Coast uh, after the weekend, after we see what they do against the Padres. But as always, if you're on uh, YouTube, uh, visit our sponsors that are down there in the, the description. And give us good reviews and all that stuff. All right? all right? 755 is real. We're out. We're out.